just coming up to a quarter past eight on your Saturday morning and we are heading west first this morning on Countrywide because sheep farmers are having a hell of a time at the moment with the price that they're receiving at the factories all but completely collapsing below the cost of production. This has been particularly hard on upland farmers. Now, obviously, this market upheaval will eventually correct itself, but to protect themselves against more of the same in the future, over 800 farmers in the northwest have now entered a scheme that will provide a new source of income while also restoring biodiversity. According to the older people, you'd have a lot more header on the hills mm-hmm. and therefore there'd have been a lot more wild animals around there such as um, your growth in the hills. You'd also have had a lot of uh, old Irish hares and um, the white front of geese coming from Greenland too. Local guide Michael Chambers drives me up into the hills of the Neffenbeg mountain range in Mayo to talk about the past. So there'd be heather blooming there, but along the streams going up along the, the mountains and sheltered areas, there should be birch and mountain ash growing there in areas too, little wooded lands along the streams and, and in sheltered areas where we could, you'd have just perfect habitat. That's outside. Several hundred hectares of valley spread out before us. The parts that aren't covered in a blanket of monoculture Sitka spruce forestry are picked bare of the heather, herbs and mosses that used to cover the land. Unfortunately, when premiums were introduced as a payment scheme to help support incomes for farmers, um, there was no cap around the numbers of sheep. So it was an ideal opportunity to have multiple herd numbers in a household and uh, have sheep grazing up on the hills all year round. It saved people from having to immigrate for probably the first time in generations. So it was an opportunity to keep people at home and uh, we flooded the hills with sheep to have an income. But unfortunately, we didn't realise at the time the long-term damage. How many sheep would there have been here in the 80s at the height of that? Thousands upon thousands of sheep. Uh, grazing on the hills all year round because the mountain sheep is a hardy breed. With and the legacy of that is, as we look out over several hundred hectares in front of us here, and there's one tree. Your main crops are the first ones to go, like your headers and whatnot, and uh, the land is left. In the 80s, it was extremely bad, where you were just left with black exposed peat, and that was being washed away into the rivers because you didn't have the header and all the various bog plants that knitted all that together. And of course, our bogs are carbon sinks, and when we have exposed blank peat like that, you're now doing the offlets, you're releasing that carbon back up into the atmosphere too. Heading north down out of the Neffens and into Bangor Eris, Seamus Cosgrove is a fifth-generation sheep and cattle farmer on an almost entirely upland farm. I suppose the first thing about the drugs introduced to the to the gang is making noise, Philip. Fully, well, nearly fully trained sheep dog. Hain is his name. Mm-hmm. And this is a very shy bitch about 16 months old, doing a little bit of work, getting there. It was the payments available in the 1970s and 80s that meant he and his wife-to-be didn't have to emigrate. But he's aware now that we traded an economic future for biodiversity in the uplands. Even knowing what we know now about the mistakes of the past, though, it's tricky. 
As Seamus and I stand on the hill behind his farm looking at his neighbours' houses, he counts those who would still be dependent on sheep for their livelihoods. That's six houses there. You're yeah. saying five yeah. of them are sheep, yeah. sheep income dependent? Be sheep income dependent. Uh, and you would have... Four um, houses there, is it? You would have four there, yeah. Are they all...? They would be all involved in the sheep business, yeah. And then there's two fair, two fair on as well. I presume most of them have an off-farm income as well, though, do they? Most of them would, yeah. Yeah, part-time job or a full-time job or they would be involved in some community scheme in the area as well. Tell me then what impact removing sheep from the family income would have. What would happen is the next generation would not be involved. There'd be nothing there for them. There'd be land abandonment. Mountains would be abandoned. As it is, the amount of people that's going to the hills now compared to, say... 50 years ago, 40 years ago, even 20 years ago, has gone down dramatically. And to those who say, brilliant, abandon the hills, let them go wild, what do you say? The wildlife will not survive in that because it's gone too high. Heather at that height is no good anyway. Heather at a nearly a metre high isn't any good. And it's crowding out it's, 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 mosses it, it, and lichens there's and other a, things. There's a canopy created and there's nothing underneath. Okay. And it's, 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 it's doing all the wrong things. It's down to management and it's, it's also down to policies. And as I said, the policies of the past where they may have uh, done damage, the people that um, set the policies didn't set out to do that. The people that worked them on the ground didn't set out to do any damage. It's just the way it was at the time. What a landscape is depends on who is looking at it. It can be seen as a means to earn an income or a tourist amenity or the home of the natural world. But now we know that it must be all of the above. A pretty tough trick to pull off. So we're walking through a, what's a, a wet heap area. So this is very shallow, very shallow peeps. Um, it's, I suppose, covered with the large amount of fossils and other... When Derek McLaughlin isn't being interrupted by his red setter Jack, he may have found a way to do that. Well, our, our key focus is, is um, I suppose, to assist in the delivery of good quality habitats um, and all that they deliver, be that clean water, um, you know, climate resilience and biodiversity. Ultimately. He's a project manager for A Life IP, a scheme to which 820 farmers in the northwest have signed up. Farmers are the first responders to our climate challenge. They're the first responders to our biodiversity challenge and any of other challenges that we face. In an Irish context, nearly 80% of our, of our most important lands are special areas of conservation and special protection areas are, are farmed lands. So the activities and the, the type of farming that happens in these areas influences the quality of those. So they're absolutely core to what happens in these areas. Where this scheme, called Wild Atlantic Nature, differs from others in the past with unimpressive results is that it will only pay out where actual improvements are achieved and it only makes recommendations to farmers. It doesn't compel them to do anything. The farmer and Derek, or one of his colleagues, walk the land with a scorecard in hand. Overall quality of it. So it starts out with what of these plants are here and there's a whole list of them, some mosses, some of the... the um, plants and flowers that you get and some of the sh- scrub or shrub rather the, the likes of the heathers and the likes and generally where we're standing you know most of those will be there. The farm gets points for the presence of heather, mosses, lichens and loses points for the presence of rhododendrons evidence of overgrazing, burning or damage to watercourses. The farmer receives a basic payment and for anything he or she fixes 
that earn them more points, in the future they receive an increased payment. It was interesting, a bit reluctant to get involved. Uh, I have to say it was my neighbour that um, convinced me that we should have a go at it. And I said, more paperwork, more bureaucracy. So, and he said, let's have a go. And, uh, like anyone would be, Seamus Cosgrove was worried about a stranger coming to pass judgment on his farm. Uh, I suppose I was. And I was, you know, reading all the, the bad press that was out there too, like that they were coming from, from different parts of the country to tell us you're going to be closed down. But when the scorecard came, we both of us were amazed that our scores were, were, were high. We were actually in, in great shape. They didn't like the um, where sheep and cows as well were congregating there. The runoff from that was contaminating the water. So in what we've got to do now is go up there about 20 metres and put a safety zone around that. That if they congregate, it'll be well up there. 20 or 30 metres of fencing? Maximum 50 metres. And some people are thinking about this in Armageddon kind of terms. This is the end of farming. But, but it may be for some people. It may, they may have bigger problems than this. This is just unique to here, you know. And um, I, I would imagine when it's all looked at, it won't be that bad. And I suppose it's going to keep us all on our toes not to go into bad habits again. Seamus Cosgrove in Bangor, Eris there. Now, it is early days for this scheme. There's a quarter of a million hectares of land in Mayo, Sligo and Donegal that would come under the Wild Atlantic Nature IP, but only 65,000 hectares of land have entered the scheme so far and only a quarter of those farmers are actually taking corrective action. So it's not going to reverse all of the damage of the past immediately, but it is undoubtedly showing farmers how to take the lead on their own land and how to supplement their incomes at the same time. And somebody has texted on the lamb prices, 51551. Philip, why is lamb so dear in the supermarket when the farmer isn't getting a fair price? I'd love to buy it more often, but I can't. Good question. I unfortunately am not the right person to ask that question of, but maybe we will sit down the right person in this studio in the course of the next couple of weeks.